Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, your Bible app. Acts chapter 20. This morning we aren't picking right back up and continuing our study through the book of Acts, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 20, and we're going to be looking today at some verses with a slightly different lens, a little different perspective. In a study I've titled Exhortations for Entering This New Year, I don't think anything can top a New Year's sort of message than Josh Dean gave a few years ago when he was talking about all the you know New Year's things and referenced some stuff that he wanted to do or it was, I don't even remember now, but I remember it being really good. <laughs> I do remember that. I might not remember all the content of the message, but it was really good. Anyways. <clears throat> and also just to, just to like provide some feedback, um, I would have been totally fine if Josh Hughes had done a live demonstration of a submission last week. Just, <laughs> he thought I wouldn't be okay with that. Josh, if you're watching online... When you said, but Pastor Jared's not here, I thought, he's going to do it, and then you didn't do it, so, <clears throat> but I would have liked that. Anyways, I don't want anybody to get hurt, but, you know, the d- demonstration would have been fine. Anyways, exhortations for entering this new year. Are, are, we're going to be in Acts 20, verses 22 through 24, and as we revisit a few verses we studied a few weeks ago where Paul talked to the elders of the church in Ephesus and shared about his life and ministry at that present time, along with revisiting some things that we already studied. I want to point out some things this morning from what Paul shared that I believe are are fitting exhortations for us as we enter this new year. And so with that, let's begin by reading Acts 20 verses 22 and 23. Uh, Luke recording for us Paul's message to the Ephesian elders. He says there in in verse 22, uh, Paul says, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. We see, as we considered a few weeks ago, that Paul's life and ministry wasn't one of full clarity regarding the future. He didn't have, you know, no uncertainties. In fact, he had these certainties that none of us would want to be certain about, that that chains and tribulations, hard things were awaiting him in the city of Jerusalem. And yet, Paul, as we see from what he says, was determined. He was bound in the Spirit, bound in the spirit to go to Jerusalem because he clearly believed that that going to Jerusalem was part of God's plan for his life. And and no matter what, Paul was determined to follow God's plan for his life. This is where I want to point out this morning the first of seven exhortations. I had nine, paired it back to seven. Would have liked to get down even further, but, you know, seven's a biblical number, too, and the number of completion, so I stuck with that. But seven exhortations this morning for entering this new year. These these are things that we learn from Paul's example, and the first one is that we are to, just like Paul, follow God's plan for our life. 
I know that seems like a no-brainer. Like, obviously, we should be following God's plan for our life, but do we actually all the time follow God's plan for our life? I think if we're honest, sometimes we follow our plan for our life. I mean, if I was in Paul's shoes, I would have preferred my own plan over God's plan. I'd be like, Lord, I'd rather just hang out here in Miletus with these Ephesian elders. These are my buds. I don't, I, if chains and tribulations are awaiting me and other things that I don't even know what's going to happen, other uncertainties, let me just hang out here. We'll have our little conference, and that conference will turn into an extended stay, and that extended stay will turn into a nice long life here, comfortably in the little port town of Miletus. You know, you and I aren't bound in the spirit to go to Jerusalem like Paul was, but God has a plan for each of our lives, and we're to follow his plan. His word reveals his, his general plan, his general will for all of us as his people, but he'll also reveal more specific things about his plan as we consecrate our lives wholly to him each day. Instead of simply following our own plans and dreams and goals, it's not wrong to have those things, but we're to submit our plans and dreams and, and goals to the Lord and ask him what his plan is for our life all the time, but specifically this year. We're to let go of things that aren't from him and that don't line up with what his word says to us when it comes to how we're to live. And then we're to follow him fully as a disciple of Jesus Christ. These are things that Josh Hughes spoke into really well last week in the speaking about a, lessons on a life of discipleship. And please understand, God's plan for our life isn't to ruin our life and make us miserable. You know, sometimes that's the approach that people have when they are considering giving their life to Jesus Christ, surrendering their life, that, that Jesus is going to ruin their lives and make them miserable. He's going to send them into a third world country where there's no electricity, no running water, there's no bathrooms. If I decide to follow God's plan for my life, he's going to ruin it. My life's been good, real good. Like, I don't know about God's plan. He hasn't told me what it is. I don't like to say yes to stuff that I don't know about. It's like when somebody's trying to sell you on something somewhere, and you're like, well, tell me all the details first. Like, what's the, what, what's the little small writing that you're not fully disclosing to me that I have to be like, I have to get a lawyer to figure out first? God's plan for our life isn't to ruin our life and make us miserable. No, it's actually to make our lives prosper spiritually in Christ Jesus. I say spiritually because there's a movement that would make you believe that God's plan for your life is to prosper you financially, prosper you in all kinds of ways that God actually hasn't promised us in his word, but prospering us spiritually 
where true fulfillment is found. And then, and then make our lives a witness for Jesus in the lives of others. It's not a plan that eliminates anything uncomfortable or difficult or painful even, but, but it's one where in the midst of those things, we can know that he has a purpose for what he allows or causes and that he truly is working all things together for our good and his eternal glory. God has a plan for our life. And there is no more fulfilling life than when we're actually following God's plan. We're living according to his word. We're seeking to line up our priorities with what God has already told us in the Bible. We don't have to figure those things out on our own. He's already told us. Now, the specifics, that can be a little bit harder. Lord, this job, this opportunity, this relationship. Am I supposed to have the cookies and cream ice cream tonight, or am I supposed to have the peanut butter chocolate? That was a joke. But the specific things, that comes from just seeking the Lord first, the seeking his kingdom first. Saying, Lord, I want to follow your plan and here. I'm, I'm going to lay out my plan before you, Lord. Instead of having a death grip with our goals, which how many of you have already broken your New Year's resolution? Anybody? A couple of you. I, I'm only better because I'd never made one. I'm just kidding. I'm not better. <laughs> you don't make them, you can't break them, right? Am I right, people? Anyways. <clears throat> but to, to hold things with an open hand before the Lord. Again, it's okay to have plans. It's okay to have dreams and goals. God will give dreams. He'll give those things even. He'll give vision for things. But don't we want it to be from him and not just what we wanted? I think, it's, I think sometimes what we can find is I, I'm doing something, I'm following my plan, my goal, and then I'm saying, Lord, come bless me in the thing that I'm doing. God, you know, make this thing flourish, Lord, that I didn't even seek you on. You didn't give me the green light for it, but Lord, bless me in it anyways. It doesn't work that way. But... What a blessing when we're hearing the voice of the Lord and then we're following his plan for our life. In this new year, as we enter this new year, that first exhortation, let's follow God's plan for our life. I think there's a healthy determination. There's a healthy sort of resolution where we, where we tell the Lord, Lord, I want to follow your plan for my life. Daniel purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself with the king's delicacies because he had determined that he wanted to live a life that pleased the Lord, even though he was an exile in a foreign land. And I think for us, you know, 
Yes, if we don't make a, make a resolution, we can't break it. But oftentimes when we don't make any sort of resolution, when we have zero sort of determination, then, then we don't really even go anywhere because we have nothing to even shoot for. I think there's a healthy aspect of us determining in our heart, Lord, I want to follow your plan. And then Lord, help me to do that. <laughs> help me to do it. Let's follow God's plan for our life. But back to our text, Paul was instructing and encouraging these church leaders, really all of us today as disciples of Jesus, the life of faith is not a life of complete clarity. It's not one of no uncertainties or that is free of trials and suffering and opposition and trouble, but that the life of faith actually includes all of those things. That's part of the life of faith. And this is where I want to point out the second exhortation for us as we enter this new year, things that we learn from Paul's example. And number two, that's that we need to trust the Lord with the known and unknowns. Trust the Lord with the known and unknowns. Is it, it's a lot easier to trust the Lord with the knowns, isn't it? Or the things that seem to be in our control. Isn't it easier to trust the Lord when we feel like we're actually the one controlling the thing? But what about when the thing's out of our control? What about when the thing seems too big to be able to fix or overcome? What about when the thing is something you don't even know what the thing is? It's just that there's an uncertainty. You don't know what's on the horizon, but you have a, a sense that maybe it's not going to be good be harder to trust the Lord with those things. While there were some things Paul did know that were coming, things any of us would not want to know were coming, like chains and tribulations, there were unknowns too. But, but whether he knew what was coming or there were just unknowns or uncertainties awaiting Paul, he really did trust the Lord. And this is such a great example for us as we face both the known and the unknowns in this new year. I think most of us have almost been pre-programmed by the last two years of life to just expect that things are not going to work out the way that we hope they will. <laughs> Whatever kind of plan that we might put in place it might get rescheduled postponed something's going to change and it's going to get canceled there's going to be some level of disappointment I'm not trying to be pessimistic this is just a real this is kind of how the last two years have sort of probably in a lot of our minds has put us in that place that state of mind but that doesn't mean that we can't trust the lord The Lord already knows the known and unknown things that we're going to face. And we don't have to face those things alone. We have Jesus. And he has wisdom and grace and help and power for us. He wants to be the one who leads us through all that this year will hold for us. But we need to trust him. Tribulation and trouble and trials are going to come. But we have Jesus. 
and he is good and he's faithful and he is present with us each and every day. And listen, because Jesus has overcome the world, we can trust and rest in him. Because Jesus has overcome the world, we can be of good cheer even when troubling times are upon us. That's what Jesus himself said. In this world, you'll have tribulation. What if Jesus just left it there? Thanks, Jesus. In this world, stuff's going to be really hard. Moving on, next point. Nobody says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What does that mean? That means that his victory should mean something for you and me. It should bring encouragement and conference, uh, conference, confidence. We can have a conference about the confidence. Confidence because of who our God is, what he's already done, what he's already provided, what he's already spoken to us, the promises that he's already made. (laughs) the way that he's already told us what's going to happen in the end, there are a lot of knowns for us that we haven't even experienced yet in the history of our world. There are things on the horizon that Jesus could come back today. He already knows. Some of you are going, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Somebody texted me that when they were asking me how I was doing, how we were doing when we were recovering from covid And their response was, the Lord can come already. I was like, no, I get it. I'm right there with you. But guys, the the unknowns are an opportunity just as much as the known things to trust the Lord. Each moment, each situation, each thing that comes at us is an opportunity to trust in the living God who's never failed. His track record is completely perfect. If you put your trust in him, he's not going to let you down. He may not work the way that you're wanting him to work, but the things that he's spoken in his word, he will bring to pass. The things that he's promised, he will be faithful to fulfill. Sometimes we feel like the Lord's failed us because what we, what we put on the Lord was our expectation of what we wanted him to do. And then when he didn't come through with the thing we were wanting him to do, we're like, Lord, well, you know, I don't know if I could trust you. And he's like, I never told you that in the first place, that I was going to do that thing. But guys, we can trust him. In this new year, with all the uncertainties, we don't have any idea Things are going to change. Things are going to open up. Things are going to be different. Stuff's going to get worse. But we can trust him. We can trust in him and rest in that place of trust. There are so many people that are fretting and they're freaked out and they're worked up and they're anxious. They know the Lord, but they're not resting in the Lord. In that place of trust is a place to find rest. Rest in him today. 
Trust in him. Let's trust him as we enter this new year with the known and the unknowns. I might get to point four this morning. Let's keep going. Back to our text, verse 23. Paul went on to say that while he didn't know what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem, what he did know was that the Holy Spirit testified to him in every city. This is where I want to point out the third exhortation for entering this new year. These are, again, things that we learned from Paul's example. Number three, that's that we are to listen to and walk in the Holy Spirit. Paul recognized that the Holy Spirit was testifying to him certain things. What the Holy Spirit was testifying to him was chains and tribulations are coming. But the Holy Spirit did testify. The Holy Spirit was speaking to the Apostle Paul, not to deter him, but to prepare him. He had, he had a sensitivity to the voice of the Spirit, and then he walked in what the Spirit of God had for him, even when that meant stepping into difficult things, difficult situations. But it's important that we view the Holy Spirit rightly and then respond to him rightly. Understand the Holy Spirit of God is not an it, is not an impersonal force to be used and directed by us. No, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune Godhead. Just as much God as Jesus and the Father. And the scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit can be grieved and even quenched by us. We can't grieve an inanimate object. I can't hurt that plastic table's feelings. You're doing great, though. <clears throat> I believe, I'm, I know, this is my, like, I'm finally around people again, and it could be a lot worse. Things could be Someone asked me if I'm back to normal. I've never been normal, so I can't. That's not happening. Guys, I believe the Spirit of God speaks to us often in our day-to-day -day lives and from situation to situation. And it most definitely speaks to us through His inspired Word, the Bible. But He speaks to us often, convicting and correcting and rebuking when needed. I think our ears get a little harder of hearing in those things the conviction, the correction, the rebuke. Our ears perk up when it's the encouragement and comfort and the building up. But he does that too. He speaks to us seeking to help us, to, to lead us into all truth, to empower us to represent and live like Jesus. Give us, give us gifts to serve him. Speaking in, in ways to sanctify us, to mold us more and more into the image of Jesus and, and then producing his fruit in our lives in order to bring glory to the Father. But we can choose not to listen to his voice and, and listen to a multitude of other voices. We can choose to disregard and disobey his voice when he's speaking things to us. We can harden ourselves to his convicting work and remain in sin. And, and all of those things will bring about that grieving of the Holy Spirit 
that can lead to the work of the Spirit being quenched in our lives. But when we listen to and stay dependent on it and surrender to and seek to obey and to stay open to and, and to stay filled with the Holy Spirit of God, we can trust that He will always lead us into all that our God has for us. <clears throat> and that walking in the Holy Spirit, instead of walking in our flesh, we will find Him doing things in and through our lives that only He could get all the credit and glory for. Things that spill out from a Spirit-filled life. Guys, there are things that in this new year, the Spirit of God is going to lead us into individually and as a church. New opportunities, new things. But are we listening? Are our ears attuned to the voice of the living God? Are we, have we grown accustomed to listening to other people? Listening to other voices, listening to the voice of our own flesh instead of listening to the voice of the Spirit of God. But once He speaks to us that we would walk in those things in obedience by the grace and power of His Spirit. As we enter this new year, let's, let's listen to and walk in the Holy Spirit. But back to our text. Look at how Paul followed all that up in verse 24. He said, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now again, we looked at this expositionally a few weeks ago. So if you missed that study, you can go back and listen to it. This is more of a, a topical approach here. But as I said a few weeks ago, Paul's not saying that none of those things affected him, that nothing bothered him, that nothing moved him emotionally. Paul became discouraged and sad and overwhelmed at times. We see that in various things that he even wrote in his different letters. We see it in what Paul even said right before this as he Reminded that the Ephesian elders that he was with them with many tears. Stuff moved Paul. It's to, stuff to discourage Paul. Made him sad and overwhelmed even at times. Just like us. No, given the context of him being bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, I think we could say that Paul means that though those things affected him, that he wasn't going to let those things derail him both in his trust of the Lord and in his service to the Lord. But this is where I want to point out the fourth exhortation for entering this new year. And that's that we need to keep an eternal perspective and a heart of devotion. We need to keep an eternal perspective and a heart of devotion. See, without an eternal perspective on his present and future circumstances, those things, tribulations and chains, shipwrecks and beatings and imprisonments and all the stuff that Paul went through. Without an eternal perspective on his present and future 
circumstances, those things very well could have moved Paul as he considered what he knew was coming and the uncertainty of what might come. But this is why it's so important that we keep an eternal perspective on our present and future circumstances so that as we consider the things that we're going through right now, which may be really hard, or the uncertain things in the future that can cause us to be fearful or anxious, that we won't be moved by those things that we're facing or might face either. Check out what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. He said there, So we are always confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident. So it's a double confidence. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, notice, to be well-pleasing to Him. That's the kind of eternal perspective that we need to get and keep, but it's one that requires faith. <clears throat> the things of this life will derail us if we're walking by sight instead of by faith. Stuff will derail us in this life and the things of this world, uh, if the things of this world become all that we live for and we stop living for Jesus and the things of eternity, the things of heaven. But understand that that eternal perspective for Paul came out of him first having a heart of devotion to the Lord. It's not that Paul just felt he was, you know, so strong that he could never be moved, that he had the power in it of himself to be unmovable. No, he just knew how strong our God is and knew that our God has the ability to keep us firmly in place no matter what things threaten to cripple us or trip us up in this life. And these were things that Paul learned through a life of devotion to the Lord. Time spent continually with the Lord in an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. And these are things that the Lord wants to teach us and grow in us as we spend time with him and, and we abide in Jesus each day, that out of that place of devotion to him, of, of closeness with him, that he would build into us that firmness spiritually where it's him that keeps us fixed in place, keeps us unmovable, keeps us steadfast no matter what things we face. Guys, when Jesus becomes <coughs> excuse me, our supreme delight, our supreme joy in this life, when we seek first his kingdom and righteousness, when we love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we will find every bit of our perspective on this life and the life to come being radically transformed and shaped by the Lord. You ever notice that your perspective of life changes 
when your devotional life is neglected? When your devotional life with the Lord is neglected, oftentimes you start to see your problems as actually bigger than the Lord. But guys, when we are spending time with him, when our, when our hearts are just so in awe of him, when we are worshiping and loving him as he deserves to be worshiped and loved, it, it changes how we view everything. It changes how I view myself and those around me. It, it changes how I long for the things of eternity because when we're not spending time with the Lord and, and we're immersed in the things of this world, truly where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And when everything we're investing in is here in this temporal world, stuff wrecks us. But when everything in our life is attached to the things of the Lord and the things of eternity, guys, we are less likely to be rocked by the things that affect us here temporarily and physically. As we enter this new year, let's keep an eternal perspective and a heart of devotion. And these aren't necessarily in, like, this is the order of things that this is just the order as I saw them in the text. So don't think that a heart of devotion is like number four on any potential list. That actually should be number one. But moving on, part of how Paul, as we look at our text, was not moved by the things he was facing is found in what he said in verse 24, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. This is where I want to point out the fifth exhortation for entering this new year, and that's that we need to view our life rightly and run wholeheartedly. View our life rightly and run wholeheartedly. For Paul, finishing his race, his life of faith, and fulfilling the ministry that the Lord had given to him had a far greater value in his estimation than trying to preserve his life and, and take an easier or more comfor comfortable route. If our value system of things is off and we, we value our own comfort and safety and, and our savings account, our retirement, and, and how others view us above living for Jesus and his kingdom, which comes with uncertainty and trials and suffering and tribulation, we'll never fully live for Jesus Christ because our priority is actually ourselves and not him. See, part of us viewing our lives rightly comes with understanding that comes with the understanding that life is not about us. That we're not the center of the universe. But that it's about Jesus Christ who who gives true value and meaning and purpose and fulfillment to our lives. And once we gain a right view of our lives, we will then be able to run wholeheartedly for Jesus Christ because he is our reward, as Josh spoke into in his message last week. 
<coughs> but we also see this right view of life and, and wholehearted running for and running to Jesus in what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Paul, writing there to the church in Philippi, said, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. So he had a view, a right view of his life. I, I've not achieved you know, perfection. I'm not this guy that's just, you know, I never sin anymore. I don't have any more struggles. I haven't attained. I'm not already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus is our reward. Paul understood that. And that should not only motivate us to keep running this race and not look back, but also give us great joy as we run this race. As we enter this new year, let's live our life, or sorry, view our life rightly and run wholeheartedly. But, but Paul goes on to say, he not only didn't want... He not only wanted to finish his race with joy, he went on to say, in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. Paul emphasized the importance of faithfulness in ministry, giving a reminder that ministry is something that, that's given by God as a Jimmy Stewartship. Anybody else, when you read stewardship, think of Jimmy Stewart? No. Yeah, told you I'm not normal. Given by God as a stewardship. And just as that was true for Paul, it's also true for me and you. This is where I want to point out the sixth exhortation for entering this new year. And that's that we are to serve Jesus faithfully. Just like Paul, you and I have also received a ministry from the Lord Jesus too. That ministry doesn't necessarily mean pastoral ministry, but it does mean that he has called each of us to serve him, that he's given us a stewardship of responsibility with the people and time and resources and giftings that he's put in our lives. And those things that we've received, he wants us to be faithful to fulfill. And know that this aspect of, of faithfulness is something he wants to build into our lives by his spirit as we walk in the spirit. And you know, maybe for some, faithful isn't how you would describe yourself in certain areas of your life because of your track record in the past. But know that God is able and that he wants to bring about change, bring about growth in areas where in our own strength, we only ever saw failure. And if that's you, ask God to make you a faithful man or woman in every aspect of your life and, and ask him to help you to serve him faithfully with your whole life. As we enter this new year, let's serve 
Jesus faithfully. But back to our text as we close things up this morning. Finally, Paul recognized that a big part of that ministry he had received from the Lord, the ministry he wanted to be faithful to complete, was to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And this is where I want to point out the seventh and final exhortation for entering this new year. And that's that we've got to proclaim Jesus boldly. You know, for each of us, no matter the ministry, whether that ministry is to your spouse, to your roommates, your job, in your neighborhood, whether that's with a friend group, whether that's here on Sunday mornings or in different contexts of church gatherings, no matter the ministry, we are to testify, to be witnesses of the same thing, the gospel of the grace of God. And guys, the gospel of the grace of God is one that if we've received it, if we receive the grace of God, if we receive Jesus' salvation, it's, it's a message that we must testify to others about because we know what's at stake. We know the immeasurable blessing that's found in knowing and receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord. And I, and I want us to believe, because it's true, that God wants to give us the boldness He knows we don't have naturally. That we need desperately in order to proclaim Jesus boldly. You know, in Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John had been arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin, and they came back together with their crew, and they're talking about all that had happened. They didn't say, you know, and Lord, just don't let us get persecuted anymore. Although I think that would have, I would have added that into my prayer if I was a part of their group. And Lord, just protect us. Keep us safe. Well, let's get arrested again. These guys are mean. They're mean, Lord. Shut their mouths, break their teeth. You know, like start bringing in some David prayers from the Psalms. Well, he just said, Lord, and grant us boldness to speak your word. They wanted power to do the thing that was getting them into trouble in the first place. Lord, give us boldness because they understood that the Sanhedrin and others, they all just needed Jesus. And, and they, they understood that without the Lord coming and, and, and giving them that boldness, that they were just going to flounder, that they might become timid, that they might just be quiet. They just keep to their little Christian bubble thing that they had going on. They had a good thing. They prayed for boldness in the Lord. It says that the, the Lord shook the place that they were and they were all filled with the Spirit of God and he gave them boldness. They prayed for something and God answered their prayer. Why? Because they were praying in accordance with the will of God. It is God's will that you and I share this 
gospel of the grace of God, the gospel message, the good news about Jesus Christ. It is God's will for us to do it. And there is no greater prayers to pray than the ones that God already wants us to be praying. I believe we need to be praying fervently and continually for boldness to proclaim Jesus and to pray for the power of the Spirit to be witnesses. And I know that that can bring some anxiety with it because when we pray those sorts of prayers, we know what's going to happen. You know, when you pray for patience, God gives opportunities where patience is going to have to be exercised. You have to rely on him for that patience. You have to seek him even more for that patience. And when you pray prayers like, God, open the door for me to share the gospel with someone. He's going to give you an opportunity where all of a sudden you're going to have to open your mouth and say something, and you might not feel very confident or very knowledgeable or very bold even. You may not feel eloquent or equipped or super prepared. But I want us to believe today and in this coming year that he will make good and give us what we need to do the things that he's already calling us to do. Proclaiming Jesus boldly is already what he wants us to do. So let's pray that God would make us bold with the gospel. Make us bold, because there's a lot of people that are bold and proclaiming lots of things that are not pointing people to Jesus. It's just stuff. It's, it's opinions, whatever it is. It's your political persuasion, it's your sports team. I, you know, we won't even talk about that. But all of these things that we can proclaim and, and we can be really bold about, really passionate about, but the thing that we should be most passionate about and most bold about is Jesus Christ. And guys, I encourage us in this new year, as we enter this new year, let's proclaim Jesus boldly. I believe God wants to add to his church those that are being saved. Why? Because God's will is that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. But when we start to believe what God's already said, things will start to change. When we start to prioritize the things that God wants us to prioritize, stuff in our lives will start to change. Instead of following our plan, instead of following our comfort, let's follow God's plan. Let's listen to and walk in the Spirit. I'm going to try to rem remember all my points right now, and I'm going to fail miserably. All the things that I already shared, do those things this year. Not in your own strength, but relying on the grace and power of God. We can do these things. He will empower us to do these things. I want to share two final scriptural exhortations here as the worship team comes up. I gave you some exhortations that I saw that kind of we could draw out of the text, but here's some 
exhortations that are straight from the heart of God himself. First, from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul wrote, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And then secondly, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, Peter wrote, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. You know, I don't know what the Lord's speaking to each of us individually this morning. Even if I had nine points, you know, it's like could have hit or miss. But I believe there are things here for us. There are exhortations that the Lord this morning for us is going, grab a hold of this. And maybe for some of us, these are things that we're going, you know what? These are, it's an area of struggle or it's an area of weakness. It's not something I'm necessarily strong in, some of these things. But instead of just going, well, I'm not strong in it, so it not, must not be something that God's speaking to me. No, bring those things before the Lord and, and say, Lord, this is something that I'm not seeing in my life or maybe I'm not seeing much of in my life, but Lord, I want, I want that. Lord, I want you to do that in me. And in humility, God will meet you where you are. Because our God gives grace to the humble. He gives more grace. Don't we want that? Don't we need that in this new year? More grace? That we would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That we would become steadfast and immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord? I mean, what kind of people would we be? What kind of a church would we become? If even just those two scriptural exhortations were things that we really focused in on and, and prayed through and, and, and sought to see God do in our lives. And he wants to. Amen? Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning. <clears throat> Lord, we're thankful for a new year, Lord, we're, th we're thankful that you're a God who has new mercies for us every single day. That God, you are always working, Lord. You are never done with us. Lord, you don't cast us aside because of our past unfaithfulness, our, our past weaknesses, our present struggles, but that, Lord, you are faithful even when we are faithless. That, God, you are constantly seeking to refine us. Lord, wanting to revive us, wanting to renew us. Lord, wanting to restore souls. Wanting to ignite a passion for you and the things of you, Lord. God, I pray these exhortations this morning, Lord, would be taken to heart by all of us, Lord, that we would pray through these things in the coming days and weeks, Lord, as we enter into this new year, as we're now in it. 
God, that you would, Lord, work in us radically and then work through us, Lord, radically for your kingdom and your glory. This morning, if there's anybody here that doesn't just have first a, a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ, like Jesus loves you, he died for you. Not because any of us earned it or deserved it, but quite the contrary, none of us deserved anything that he would ever do for us. But in his grace, he did it anyways because of his great love for us. And this morning, forgiveness and salvation is available. And if that's you this morning and you want to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, to know that your sins have been washed away, to know that your place in heaven is secure because of what Jesus has done and not because of what you've done, to know that you've been saved by his grace, this morning I would call you to a place of faith, a place of trust. If that's anybody here, would you stand where you're at? I'd love to pray for you this morning to receive Jesus Christ, if that's anybody at all. Maybe this morning it's not a first time surrender. Maybe it's a, you know what, stuff's gotten off track. Or it's not where it could be or should be. And this is a new year and God's giving you a new opportunity even this morning to consecrate your life to him. Would you stand where you're at? I'd love to pray for you if that's you this morning and you're just going, look, I just, I wanna resolve, determine even in my own heart to serve the Lord, to follow his plan, to walk in his spirit, to serve Jesus faithfully, to proclaim Jesus boldly, to run wholeheartedly, heart of devotion. Is that anybody here this morning? Would you stand and awesome. Anybody else? See you this morning. Awesome. Lord, I pray for these that have stood, Lord, as they're just saying, Lord, I, I want to make a fresh commitment of my life to you, Lord, to surrender once again, to consecrate, Lord, my life to you in this year, to consecrate, Lord, my life to you today. Lord, I pray that, God, you would be ministering to them. Lord, areas of struggle, Lord, that you bring growth, that you bring change, that you bring victory. Lord, areas of hurt, Lord, that you bring healing. That, God, today, they would just sense, Lord, your pleasure knowing that, Lord, as they draw near to you, Lord, you will draw near to them. That, Lord, once again, you desire to do a fresh work in their lives, Lord. I pray that you would do that. And so, Lord, as we now respond to your word and songs of praise, God, just continue to be in the front of our minds. Lord, that you would receive all the glory and honor and praise that's due to your name. And Lord Jesus, would we leave this place in the power of your spirit today. God built up in you, Lord. God, to face both the joys and the trials to come. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.